0: The study uh, this morning, what I'll be sharing with you is, uh, uh, we'll cover a lot of scriptures in uh, in the Bible about uh, remembering. Uh, I felt like the Lord was just going over and over different things and uh, uh, realizing how much He tells us to remember and how much He directly insists on Himself remembering. He says, "I will remember. I will remember." Um, uh, and we should learn from that. But also, he he forgets. And um, we should learn from him to do both, both to remember and to forget. And there's a, a, a real power in that. And sometimes it's difficult uh, to, to, to remember some things. I mean, some things are just, they'll bring a smile to your heart, and some things are, uh, a real loss to your soul when you start to remember. However, both serve the greater good of the joy of the Lord when He went to the cross for us, for redemption. And the process of that is the same for us. That is the joy set before us. In other words, the outcome that comes from our testimonies. And that comes from those experiences that sometimes we just want to put them aside and God says, "Well, the, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your your testimony, you overcome the devil." And to not leave that aside, but um, speak of the victory. And when you do, you have to, to some degree, remember the the loss. In some cases, it's something done to you. In other cases, it's something you've done. Uh, sometimes a combination. Sometimes it's just life. And uh, but it overwhelms you, and you get to employ. Point where you just say, okay, I give up whatever, or to change. Uh, you know, when Denise and I first got married, we were no kids. We don't want kids. We're not going to have kids. No way. And after we got saved, uh, we said, well, Lord, and it was years after we got saved, um, about 20 years. And uh, we said, well, Lord, if you want, <laughs> we're a little slow on the uptake for kids. Um, if you want us to have kids, you know, we're open, whatever. Well, <laughs> five kids later, and three gang kids that we're raising, and now now Jada, that we haven't had him leave the house in the last thirty years. So, uh, but a lot of experiences and things we learn is so that we can help others, so that we can minister to others, and be a blessing with our testimony. Uh, and there's other issues that uh, come with remembering and forgetting, and we'll deal with that in the scriptures. The, uh, yeah, some you know I have key memories that, that I've shared testimonies with about the 23rd Psalm and about you know the fishing finding a fishing weight and God said wait and I'll make you a fisher of men and and things and and um, I remember my wife standing at the back porch we were over here on Oak Street and uh, or Belmont Street rather and uh, uh, she was going to to work at a place we we both had worked at before and we we're just kind of really getting started again with our life after Christ. And she could see I was troubled because I felt like God had, had a calling on my life, but I just didn't know what it was. And there was just a lot of confusion going on. And uh, I remember her stopping and just just saying, um, look, at, uh, I love you, and I'm going to be with you, sort it out. Uh, I know that God has a plan for your life, and so whether we have a house or we live in a tent, don't worry. And... Uh, It just lifted uh, a burden off of me of other responsibilities to say, okay, God, I just, you know, what am am I supposed to do? And God started showing me step by step. And so I know you have things in your life that are memories that um, uh, God wants to bring back to you so that you go, what am I worried about now? Remember when he did this? I remember when I was going through this terrible time and God just stepped in and provided this those are there to let you know he hasn't left you, he hasn't forsaken you, and those re- memories are encouragements for you to know that you can stand against the wiles of the devil and get through those tests and those those difficulties. So that's what the, the study is essentially about, is that uh, God remembers and he even remembers to forget. <laughs> so we'll take a look at that. Uh, thoroughly enjoying the, the studies in Peter that. Uh, that Nathan is doing. And uh, the word is just so filled with purpose and plan for us on on an ongoing basis with where we're at in Christ. Uh, As I said this morning though, I want to look at uh, some of the areas where we've been that God has done something because of his promises, because of his covenants, because of his relationship with you and those things that remind you that if he did something then, he will continue to walk with you and be and take care of those things that you need now. Sometimes they're just really small things that uh, stick with you where God provided just a a moment in time that you go, that's very personal, Lord, thank you. I know that was you. So I'd like you to... uh, Consider that after the study, some of the things, some of the memories that you have and apply them to today. That's really what this is about, that uh, God remembers and he determines to remember and he also determines to forget. And there's a, a real contrast there, apparently. You know, we, we, how do you forget to, and yet you, re, you remember, you know, and some things you want to set aside. Um... It's apparent from the scriptures that God determines what he wants to do. And I think that's the example for us when he says, I will, I will, I will. And uh, we're to follow him in those things. Uh, So I'm going to share, because I don't have all of your experiences to share, some of the ones I've had just as an example of how to take the word and apply it to experiences that you might have had and see those as encouragements to you. And to use that as a springboard as you uh, look at those areas in your life. If if you're uh, in the middle of a kind of a wilderness experience and you're going through things and God's doing answering prayers here or there, or you're just going, God, what what is going on? And He's teaching you patience, and that's one of the most difficult areas. Uh, remembering how you came to Christ and what God did uh, will help you through those times. So it's that kind of. Uh, place where the Bible is very specific about that. He wants you to remember because it encourages your faith in those little moments when you think, "Oh, what? I don't know what's going to happen. What's going on?" He goes, "Hey, wait a minute. Remember how you got here? <laughs> you think you did that? You know?" And he just reminds you, and you go, "Yeah, that's right. It's going to be okay." Well, the. Um, uh, I, I have several scriptures, so it's, it's not uh, just one, uh, but several, because uh, I, I want to show you the pattern that's in the Bible concerning these things. In uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, it says, God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark, so he remembers the animals too. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided." God brought deliverance to one person and his family and it was isolated because we know that the, Enoch and Enosh and, and others that, uh, that God had, had, uh, had touched that walked in faith, uh, they had already gone. Uh, Methuselah, he had already passed. So anybody that had a life uh, of righteousness in any way had already died. The only people that were left were the unrighteous and Noah. So uh, now it was that time where God was going to speak to him, deal with him, reveal his grace, his salvation, and start over. Uh, I've seen in, uh, in my life, and maybe you have in yours, where God tells you to do something very specific for one person, and yet there's a crowd of people in an area where you know you could maybe help those. And God's saying, no, <laughs> I want you just to talk to this person. And it affects them and their family. But anytime you walk with the Lord and you start to do things for the Lord, the devil is right there going, oh, what about these people? And what about those people? And, and he scatters the message and waters it down uh, in a way that you, you miss the focus of what he intentionally called you to. To give you an example, uh, uh, doing hospital calls, somebody has invited you, or me in this case, would to go to and visit somebody in the hospital and to pray for him. I went to uh, Los Alamitos Hospital this one day, and I uh, was to go see this Navy officer who was in a coma, and to pray for him. And walking in this particular area, there were so many others that were in dire need. And I, I, I wanted to spend the whole day there, you know, kind of just ministering. And the Lord said, you know, this is the person, this is the Noah, this is the family that I've called that I want you to talk to right now. So um, he was in a coma. His name was Gary, hard to forget. Uh, but I know when I went up to him, I, I read up on comas and stuff at the time, and and found that people in comas can hear you and they understand what's going on for the most part. People that come out of comas go, no, I heard all the stuff going on, you know, around them, and um, so I said, hi, my name's Gary with two R's, yours is one, so we'll we'll know the you know we'll know who's who, <laughs> and um, just started sharing with him prayed for him. I said, I'm believing right now that you can hear me and that your body is not responding to your brain, but I want you to pray because, and I just t- talked to him about the body, the soul, and the spirit. And I said, pray in the spirit. Just pray with me if you want. And I shared the whole gospel with him. I said, so let's pray and, and give your life to Christ if, if if you understand what I'm talking about and, and this is a decision you want to make. And I said, and then I'm going to pray for healing." So I prayed, I led him to the Lord, and there's no, you know, he's not moving. I mean, there's not a blink in his eye, not a, you know, nothing. And uh, and his lips aren't moving as I'm praying. (laughs) I'm just doing this totally out of obedience, felt the Lord was saying to do. And I get done praying, and I so then I prayed for healing. And I started to walk away. I see this tear. And... uh, Boy, I just, I thought, whoa. So I, I walked out and I said, uh, uh, one of the doctors, I said, you, you need to go check on Gary over there because uh, I think something's happening. He said, he's been in a coma for over 45 days and, and pretty soon we're going to check him out and put him in a different ward where they'll just maintain him. And I said, you need to check because he's got a tear in his eye. And they said, no, people in comas don't cry. You know, you know that's an emotional response. They don't have it. And I says, then he's waking up. And they were like, no, that, and I said, hey, you your patient? And because uh, I was here like, come on, just go look. Well, anyway, they did. And I, I found out later on about 15 days, he was released into a rehab place to get, to start to walk and everything because his uh, muscles had at- started to atrophy. And soon after that, he was completely released and, and healed. Uh, but the thing is, and of course, that affected his family. But God didn't send me to everybody. It was just to that one person. And um, I remember, um, some of you remember Ed Atkinson and his family and from Hosanna. And his son Jimmy uh, had a, a brain tumor. And it was very serious. And uh, they asked if we'd you know, come and pray because the doctor said he's not going to live very long. He's just a young boy at the time. And uh, so we we gathered around John Atkinson, Pastor John, my wife, uh, Ed's wife, and somebody else. I can't remember who that was. And, they, and we're standing there, and said, "Well, let's 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 read the scriptures, and um, and then we'll we'll close in prayer." But. Uh, because everybody's just standing there talking about, well, what do you think's going to happen? Anything else? Well, the, the the doctor had left. This was towards I think it might have been Thursday or Friday. He was leaving for the weekend. He was so sure what was happening, he signed the death certificate and left. And so he he had a couple of breaths left in him, was the doctor's opinion that was it was done. And so we uh, we formed a semicircle around him and. And we just started reading Psalms 1, Psalms 2. We just passed around the Bible, everybody reading a psalm. And um, I think it was uh, uh, Ed prayed in uh, Psalms 5, give ear to my word, O Lord, consider my meditation. And I thought, wow, how appropriate. And he just, you know, he said, like, I cry out to you in the morning, in the daytime. And... Um, uh, I think mine was Psalms 23, which was a, one of those ironies too, you know. And uh, anyway, we get to uh, um, Psalms uh, 22, though. Oh, Psalms 23 is where I, I was going to start, and Psalms 22 is where uh, its uh, wife, uh, Jimmy's mother, uh, was standing there. She took the Bible, and she started to read. And it's, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? why are you so far from my Rory? And she just stopped and started to cry. And Jimmy looks up and he goes, can I have some ice cream? (laughs) Yeah, lived another 12 years. Yeah. Individuals, when God speaks to you, to speak to individuals, don't let the devil get you sidetracked. He'll get you with busy things. Oh, I got to get this done. I got to do it over here. I got to do that. And and God's going, do this. Because there's a point in eternity that's very important. And if you're involved in it, God doesn't want you to be dissuaded and taken aside for something else. In Psalms 119, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 119, they rose early in the morning. They worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Now, first of all, um, women in so many ways um, have, well, everybody has expectations, but usually they have to do with Uh, somebody close in their life, and yet that person will let them down so often, whether it's a son, a husband, a father, uh, you know, somebody in the family that will just disappoint and promise them one thing, and not deliver, oh, I'll be there, you know, on your birthday, and, and I'm going to give you a car, and I'm going to do this and that, or I'm going to see you, you know, at the graduation, or I'm going to, you know, I'll, I, don't worry about me, I'm going to be faithful, and all of these other things. And then there's uh, some kind of a letdown. And um, it's, uh, it's just so tragic to see that it happens all too often. Um, but God, will always remember. And when God has given you a promise, he remembers it. And he remembered her. And so, he fulfilled the promise, but look at what happens here. He says, then they went back. They went back. And I thought, how many times has God had me go someplace, do something, and I've left thinking, okay, you know, go get a bite to eat or whatever, and the Lord says, "Go back." I think I don't want to turn around. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go back. <clears throat> go back. I remember one time when um, went to on a hospital call for somebody that had been in a car accident, and and my wife Dee went with me, and uh, we went to pray for that person, and um, started to leave, and. Uh, as we were leaving, we both felt like you know we're supposed to go back. So we turned around and we went back. We just walked you know almost to the hallway or whatever and came back. And the room next to the room where the person that we had prayed for, there was a lady who uh, uh, was an elderly lady. She was in her late nineties, and she was whimpering and sobbing. And I thought, oh my goodness! I so we went in and said. What's happened to you? What's going on? I broke my hip. Well, that is uh, severe pain. And especially for uh, somebody older, say anything over 60, the chances of it healing and healing well are almost slim and none. There's healing, but usually a lot of pain, and, it, and it's very difficult. And uh, the rehab and all the rest of the stuff. And so anyway, she's, she's just really crying. And so I talked to her about the Lord. I said, do you... Did you ever go to church? Did you grow up at church? Yeah, I grew up in church. Well, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? She said, what do you mean? And so we shared with her the full gospel, and she says, well, I've heard about Christianity and else, but I've never heard that, that I could actually know him. And um, so we led her to the Lord. She gave her life to Jesus and uh, prayed for her and for healing. And I said, I want you to know something else because there was something about this lady. Uh, I said, well, do you have any, any family? She they none, they're, they're, they've all passed. My mother and father died. Uh said, my brothers and sisters, they're all gone. I have no aunts or uncles, they're all gone. She said, I'm the only one left. I said, well, did you, uh, did you get married? Do you have? She She's no, one. I never got married. And she said, I've, I've, I've never been with anybody. She said, my, uh, I'm, I'm the only person I got. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have anybody to turn to. And I says, well, you do the Lord because he calls you the bride of Christ. And uh, <laughs> prayed for her. We left. Well, we came back, uh, I don't know, a couple of days later, I guess, just to God says, go back and check. So we wanted to find out, well, the lady that was in the car accident, she had had several surgeries and she was doing fine. She was getting better and everything else was looking really good. And so we looked around, so this, that other room was empty. Uh, there, wasn't, there was not There was three beds in there, two were filled, but the one she was in, she and said, do you know about the lady that was there, she was an elderly lady? And I thought, she's really approaching a hundred. So, oh, her. We went, yeah, what, what about her? they said we don't know what happened but but uh, a couple of days ago so that would have made it like the day after we left right they said she got up in the morning and she was running up and down the halls crying saying i'm the bride of christ i'm <laughs> <laughs> completely healed completely healed they said we didn't know what to do because she was, she was we had a plan for surgery they said but we didn't bother doing any x-rays even because, because she was literally running up and down the hall saying, I'm the bride of Christ, I'm the bride of Christ. And uh, <laughs> Oh, Lord, you've got kind of a sense of humor. Uh, and, uh, and so we were able to share with them what, what, that we had prayed with them, what the bride of Christ meant and everything else, and God uses all those things to share with other people even more. But... Um, in uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse 15, he says, I will remember, and notice that I will remember. He determines. You know, Some of the stuff, uh, I'm, I'm sure it happens with you, Is it, it has in my life where you look back and I think, I don't remember that. It's too painful. I don't want to think about that. And yet God looks at those painful things, even the cross, and He goes, you know, it was for the joy set before me that I endured the cross and despised the shame. And when we look at those events and think, what came came of that event? I grew, my character grew, I was saved, other, you know, things you go, well, so shouldn't I be blessed with the trial because of the outcome? And he says, I will remember my covenant. He says, I've made a covenant. Because of all these things that's going on, God makes covenants. And he made covenants. And of course, he only swears by himself because there's no one greater than him. <laughs> but he made a covenant. And he says, that is between me and you. Now, that's God speaking. He says, he made a covenant between Israel and, um, uh, and himself. And he says, of course, this applies to, to us. And every living creature of all flesh, and the waters will never become a flood to destroy all the earth. So for everybody, I mean, if a huge storm comes in, you can always stand back and say, no matter how bad this is, it's not going to destroy the world. It's not going to happen because of of a flood. Because why? Because God made a covenant with us. God keeps His word. Um, The uh, When God makes a covenant with you, though that's personal, you know it is. How many of you, just as an example, have read something in the scripture and it became very personal? It's a promise to you, see? Yeah, that's a covenant. That's where it's what we call rhema, where it's God's word spoken. And you're reading and all of a sudden it's like, whoa. And sometimes it's an intervention speaking where you, I remember Dee and I had just gotten saved. We were driving down the freeway and, and she said, well, what, we, what about this? We're reading the living Bible. I think we only had one Bible. And uh, she's reading it out loud and she says, what if, what if this isn't right? And I said, well, the Bible? And she said, whatever. And I'm going, well, yeah, what if, what if this isn't true? What if, you know, we don't wanna, we've gone down astro, astral projection and, and all this other kind of stuff that we got involved in and everything else. And she says, yeah, what if this isn't true? Right? We need to know for sure a truck, a a semi, pulls in front of us and literally on the back of the truck was painted, know the truth and the truth will set you free. (laughs) You think that was Raymond? (laughs) It was like, boom. So, okay, God. (laughs) So I said, we got to pray. And I closed my eyes, started praying. Then I realized, you shouldn't do that when you drive. Um, (laughs) Close your eyes. Uh, (laughs) But, When God brings a promise to you, it's a covenant, and He says, look at, I'm gonna remember that promise I gave you. Um, I remember when the the Lord called me uh, as a pastor, and He said, you know, I've called you as a pastor teacher. Now it was another two years before anything happened with that. And there were times when I'm thinking, what is going on? And the Lord says, well, I'm training you before you train others. But he gives you a a, a promise, a direction, and it's a covenant between you and him. And I remember um, because of that promise though, I went down to Costa Mesa and Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And I said, can I talk to you about something? And I shared with him what I I felt the Lord had spoke to my heart and he shared his uh, testimony, much of it and what what God was doing in his life and everything else and we just talked back and forth and then he prayed for me. And um, that was a confirmation. And sometimes you have uh, things that are a confirmation that you're not listening, and sometimes you have a confirmation that you are listening. And in that case, it was a confirmation that I I was listening. And uh, you get that from other people that just reaffirm God's covenant to you and God's direction. The... uh, um, I was doing a Thursday night study about two years uh, after I I, uh, I knew there was a calling on my life, and I was teaching on uh, 1 Thessalonians on the rapture. I've told this story before, but uh, uh, I was contemplating the rapture, and I was contemplating death, and just, you know, you die, you're caught up, you're raptured, you're caught up, both of them are raptures, and the dead in Christ rise first, and then we which are alive and remain. So either way, you know, you're raptured. And uh, I thought about that, and I was just pondering of the whole thing, and I got, got up to teach, and the Lord said, you know, go to the office, and there was just an impression, really. I went back to my office, I said, wait one second before I do the study, and I went back, there, and I said, well, I felt like he wanted to say something to me, or show me something. And again, I'm thinking about people dying and going to be with the Lord and everything else. And then I thought, well, gee, I've done funerals and I know people that were uh, my age or younger that had passed and, uh, and some people, you know, as children pass and uh, don't even make it to adulthood. And and all those circumstances, I'm thinking, well, Lord, what's your plan here? And I was talking about myself, you know, but my, you know, is there something I should prepare for, whatever? Anyway, and he said, uh, um, he said you'll bury many that are that are here in this body that are younger than you, and the reason is because you are their pastor. So what he was showing me on a very personal level was weddings, baptisms, but the one that grips you the most is the funerals, and he was saying. Look at that's a celebration and you're going to be a part of it, and age has got nothing to do with it. And I found over the years and I did see that and have buried those people, uh, that when God gives a covenant and a promise about death, the dead in Christ shall rise first and we are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that lives and believes in me. Though he were dead yet, shall he live? Yeah. Uh, he says, I want you to know that. I want you to understand it. And I want you to be able to share it to encourage others. And that's what I've called you to. So don't worry about death at all. When I call you, I'll let you know. <laughs> kind of thing. And I know it sounds kind of strange, but if, for me, I'm thinking, gee. And, and he's like... Stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the body that you're ministering to. And then I realized the importance of that, that when you're talking to somebody young and you think, okay, I'm going to pray this and that, and realize you do know that being young doesn't guarantee a long life and being old doesn't mean that you're not going to live older. Where are you at with the Lord right now? So I know you're traveling and I'm going to pray for your safety. I'm going to, you know, because age has got nothing to do with it. And doesn't mean that because you're older, you know, it's just a given you're going to die because I prayed with some people that are like that lady in her 90s and God healed her, you know. Um, the, uh, I know, uh, Easy Swain, I think his dad is 112 and his brother's older than that. So, <laughs> you know, you just don't know what life is going to bring you, how long. Um, but uh, to live your life in the now, without any of those fears, and then use what you know about those things to help people that do die before you to celebrate their life in death. And um, then in Leviticus 26, 42, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I'll remember my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. So, uh, these ancestral covenants, he says, I will remember. You might have a grandmother, a great-grandmother, a grandfather, somebody in your family. You look at the family history and you realize, oh, so-and-so, and you find out from somebody else, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they were in the Jesus movement, they've gone to be with the Lord, but they were praying for everybody. And sure enough, you who would, part of the people they're praying for was the, the family, and you're part of that, and you're a result of those prayers. And um, my, for me, my grandmother, uh, I was uh, in a place of sharing, I was sharing the Lord with her because I didn't know if she was saved or not. And she says, well, actually, I was about 79 years old, I think she said. And uh, she says, I grew up all the time just assuming I was a Christian, and uh, she gave her life to the Lord at that time. She said, I've been praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> that you have covenants that God has made with your ancestors. You might not know, you might not know. So then I started researching it a little just for the fun of it. And found out that uh, St. Ansdell Church in England obviously had a <laughs> some history to it. And the pastor that was there. And... Uh, the uh, Richard Anstill Museum in, in England uh, it was a strong believer and believed in, in uh, you know, the power of prayer and all that. As I read different things, I realized that these are the people that prayed for, you know, God bless the family, God bless the ones that are yet to come kind of thing. And I felt like I'm just a part of the recipient of that. And I would believe that, first of all, you're a recipient of prayer, prayer no matter what, because God uses that. Somebody was bothered by you at one time or another and said, I'm going to pray for that person, you know. And or, and probably somewhere in your past, you had a relative who said, God bless my great, great, great grandchildren and my great, great, you know, that they were praying. And God says, I've made a covenant with them. I'm going to answer their prayers. And you're a part of, you're a fruit of that. The, um, and so the encouragement should also be to pray for your children's children and so on. Um, I had uh, promises to me that I would uh, shepherd Hosanna's sheep and uh, he would provide a building and uh, pastoral gifts and calling as part of the covenant where he says, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and with Isaac and Abraham, and I'll remember the land. And uh, that there would be a generational uh, covenant. And I thought, well, he's, he's answering that. Um, Uh, things that I I knew of from what I just shared. And um, then I remembered that uh, my grandmother came from Canada and the ship she was on crashed. And she was fortunate to survive, but she lost everything. And she got to Canadian shores and uh, She met a a man by the last name of Ansdell, and she had actually had never met him before, but they had written, and she was bringing her diary with her. Well, that was gone, and he was uh, working in the minefields, in a coal mine, and uh, though they both essentially had nothing, they still got married, and so she married that Ansdell, and then they moved to eventually to Vancouver, area and the whole my brother and the rest of the Ann still clan from that area but the thing that I remember in talking with her when she was older we had a chance just to just talk and she had brought that up and she's she just said I know that I'm here for a reason you know and that it's bigger than me kind of thing uh, because she she could have died in that in that in that uh, shipwreck and I'm sure you have relatives, including yourself, where there was a moment where you think, you know, had the domino fell the other way, I wouldn't be here. There is a purpose, there is a plan, and I've got I've to sort that out. And okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Or what is that one person you want me to see? Or that direction you want me to go? Whatever it is, to apply that memory. say, so, wait a minute, that was, you know, I look at all the things, and I'm, oh, this is happening to me, and that's happening to me and he said yeah but you're here to know it's happening because I intervened and I'll continue to and then seek the Lord on what he wants you to do uh, with that blessing and then in Deuteronomy 8.2 he says and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness and have you been in the wilderness for a while (laughs) right and uh Forty years is a long time, and I don't think any of us have gone actually that long. But four years can seem like forty. Four months can sometimes. But that you, and the reason is that he might humble you, and I found that was definitely the intention uh, that we understood in our tribulation and trials, uh, testing you to see what was what's in your heart. In other words, if. Uh, if a trial and a test is gonna cause you to fall back into the world, back into sin, into carnality, uh, in, into your own ways instead of the Lord's, then do you really know the Lord? Are you really born again or did you just say a prayer and okay, oh, I've got a lucky charm and I've got a cross on my neck now and i got an okay, I'm cool. what's well, going, you don't know me. You haven't, you haven't learned. You haven't read. You don't know who you even prayed to, but when you pray and then there's growth from that, that it's just like when that 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 birth that, that egg becomes a person, and in about eight days it, it it adheres to the side wall and it gets blood, and it becomes life from a zygote, and so I think it's a spiritual analogy to that. Is there's this place of okay, Lord, I give my life to you. But then do you really apply the blood atonement? Is there really a birth there? And some of you say, oh yeah, I got saved. And they're living for the devil. you know, no, you didn't get saved. You know, no. If you got saved, you wouldn't be living this way. And I challenged them on that, that prayer, just, you know, just saying something, thinking, oh, that, that changed my life. No, it's when you believe in your prayer? No, when you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. So you go through testing to test you. So actually, so you'll know that, who you are. And um, so you'd know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. The uh, place that we were at, um, um, when we came to the Lord, we walked away from everything. We had, literally had nothing, no job, no money, no nothing. I mean, no nothing. <laughs> um, and God gave us, Matthew six thirty-three, one of those things that's reamed to your heart and said, this is a promise we're gonna stand on. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things that you need will be added to you. So the first lesson we learned was seeking first His kingdom does not mean God bless what I'm doing. It means finding out what He wants to do. We were really broke. Uh, but we had all this stuff that we had gotten, this is about, we were married for about seven years. So about seven years prior to that for our wedding, we got all these gifts from people. And some of them were things we would never use, but were valuable, like silver tea set, you know, that was from a relative and it was just very expensive and real silver and really nice, and, but we needed the money. And there were other things like that. And so there was, a, there was a store here on Bellflower Boulevard that used to take consignments. And so uh, we went there and said, we have these things for consignment. So they said, oh, yeah. And, and uh, they said, we'll take clothes, too. And they go, oh, yeah. We got, she's got dresses and I've got suits and everything. We'll take those, put all that stuff in there. And, and uh, then when they sell it, we'd get some money, you know. So bless this, Lord. That week, the place burned to the ground. Uh, nothing in it was left. And the people just left. There was no, they had no insurance for it. There was nothing, you know. And we're going, oh, how does this work? Well, we found it in short order. It doesn't work because you say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. Bless it. It's God, what do you want me to do? Not my will, but your will be done. I, I remember, you know how little moments are very personal? I remember one time I had... Uh, I, w- I was just starting to get some money. I was working with a construction guy, and I, I was a, like a contractor's assistant, a gopher, you know, and I'd go for this, go for that, <laughs> just doing things. Anyway, uh, I got like two hundred dollars or whatever on that at the end of the week for for the part-time work I was doing and everything. And so I thought, um, oh, I'm, I'm, now I've got money to tithe. So I'm going to the bank, and I've got this uh, account I had opened that literally had, had a dollar here and a dollar there that I was putting in for, to save for tithe to, to give. And I was too embarrassed to put just a dollar in. I didn't know any better. I just didn't know how, to, how all that worked. So anyway, uh, I was saving it up. So I, put, I was gonna go there with this $20. From Belmont Street to, with the, uh, to Oak Street to, on Belfour Boulevard, so you got 300 yards maybe, I lost the 20 don't know where it went. I've only got two pockets you know, like, that it would have gone into. I didn't put it in my wallet. I put it in my pocket. I walked back and forth. It was gone. And I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart very clearly because it was like, I've got I to do this. But there was a sense in me that I was doing it to help God, not out of obedience. You know that I was somehow doing something for God that God couldn't do it without me. You know, it's only twenty dollars, but now this is going to this, this has some value that's about what I'm doing. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, "Don't ever forget, I don't need your money." And uh, I thought. Wow, that is heavy. I mean, I continued to tithe after that and everything, you know, and God had blessed, but that memory would come back to me sometimes when I'd be thinking about, whether it was Hosanna or me personally, about giving a certain amount to some, some uh, missionary group or something, and I'm thinking, okay, if I do this and do that, and God says, did I tell you to do it? Yes. Well, I don't need it because if you, if you don't give it, it'll come from someplace else. But don't ever think that, you know, oh, God's going, poor me, he didn't do it. And I was, you know, <laughs> he says, you do it because I tell you to do it, not because I need you to do it. And it just changed my heart about giving altogether and uh, freed me up. But uh, it, the point is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things, will so you know, it's simply, not what I want to do, God, what do you want to do? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my kingdom come, my will be done. <laughs> in my family, as I predict. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way. The, um, uh, seek first the kingdom of God, though, became just a, such a critical scripture for us. There were so many times when, We would be making a decision about something and just think, you know, are we supposed to start this business? Because I was used to starting businesses and we'd have several of them and different things. And uh, I thought, well, wait, let's stop. Let's pray. God, do you want me to? And there were times when he said no. And then times, like with Living Epistles, a t-shirt company we started, it was like, you know, I'll bless this. And when he does, he does. You know, when he says it's done, it's done. But seeking Him first became the, the paramount thing of our life. When uh, uh, when we were on a property over here at Bellflower Boulevard, uh, Bruce Mulhern, a friend of mine who was a realtor, and he owned the, uh, several properties and everything else, and I said, well, could we have our church meeting over here because we're getting too big for our house? And he said, he wasn't a believer, and he goes, yeah, sure, whatever. And so he, I didn't know what he was sitting in his office listening to us on Sunday. And um, uh, as it grew, I said, Lord, you know, uh, we started looking here and looking there. And uh, I said, yeah, that's good, but what are you supposed to do? Seek first the kingdom. What that means is, God, do you want us to grow here? Being a witness, do you want us to go to a different city? And he showed me no. Do you, and I just went right down, what do you want? And it was, wait. So I did. And somebody came up to me about two weeks later and said, hey, there's a building over here on Aidenmore, and the guy uh, is going to put it up for sale. And, uh, you know, he just, so I went to it. He, he, he hadn't even listed it. He just said he was going to it. He said, how do you know? And I said, well, I heard from somebody who's somebody Gail gay legal and an attorney and all this. And he goes, oh, yeah, I, I know him. And then we started talking about it. Uh, but God provided, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Um, so we learn to ask God first. And then in Deuteronomy 8 18, you shall remember the Lord your God. You, now he goes from, <coughs> I will remember, and he says, now supply this to your life. You shall remember. What? You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth or prosperity, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as in that day. In other words, he's gonna take care of your financial issues. he teach you how to spend, how to save, teach you how to you know, not be, oh, I want it, so I'll buy it on a credit card, you know just so you'll feel better, but then the bill comes and you don't feel so good. And so we went through that whole process and God said, don't, no more, don't, you know, if I pray about simple things, well, should I buy, you know, for my wife, buy that dress or this, or should I buy that? You know, it became just part of our life. Well, God, do you want us to? Yeah, go in the store. And then we'd end up witnessing to the person in that store that God directs you, and it just becomes fun. Yeah, I mean, you really get a kick out of the way that God does it after a while. The um, uh, we were in a situation early on. Like I said, we didn't. I didn't have a job. She didn't have a job. We didn't know what we were going to do. So, okay, Lord, we got to start over. What do you want us to do? Uh, our neighbor, who owned the house that we were renting, came over right after we prayed that. Literally, I think the next day. And so, hey, I want you guys to know. Uh, I'm going to move into your house, and we're going to sell ours. So you need to move out in 15 days. I know there should be a 30-day notice, but you only have to pay half a rent. So bye. <laughs> and he was a friend of mine, and I wasn't going to argue the point. It's okay, not a problem. We'll figure out. God, where we're going to go? What are we going to do? So uh, my dad had some property up here, rental, and in fact, it was a parking lot right here. <laughs> and uh, he says uh, uh, he's like, well, you know, you can. Move in there. I'll work it out. So we had a place to go. We got there and we thought, okay, now Lord, we need a job—not in you know Seal Beach where we're at, but we need something up here. And uh, we just went for a walk. And oh, Uncle Bob's toys. Well, we both used to work there as kids. We walked up to the door and I saw Red in there, and and uh, thought, you know something just seemed different and we started talking to him and found out his wife had just passed. And she was only 40, 45 years old, I think. And he literally gave us the keys and he said, please watch the store for me. And he trusted us, so he left. And he took care of the funeral business. And then when he came back and led him uh, uh, to the Lord and we read her Bible, we knew that she knew the Lord. And so he asked me to do the service, the funeral service for her. And then uh, stayed and, and worked there I think right up through the following Christmas and then just de-worked there and and, uh, and I started something else. But God just not only took care of their needs, but ours too. And this is a key element that I found with the Lord when you're open to the Lord, that God wants to use you to minister to others and in doing that, he'll take care of you. That there's always a bigger picture than just what we think it is. Um, we... Uh, I think I've shared this before, but we, we had prayed and said we got a bill from the IRS for $1,500 because I was in real estate, and in those days, you know, we didn't take money out of the check. He just got this check, and so we spent it. Well, we didn't take any money out for the IRS. They don't like that. And uh, so anyways, they were going to, you know, confiscate everything we had, which wasn't that much. You know, I thought, well, so what? But anyway, we wanted to take care of the bill because then it keeps going up and up, you know. And uh, so I was talking to uh, this uh, guy, a friend of mine, Dale Snow, called me on the phone and said, how are you doing? I said, well, I kind of weird. I said, I've just become a Christian. You what? I said, well, I gave my, I told him I gave my life to the Lord and all this other stuff. And uh, shortly after that, I was able to lead him to the Lord. And that's, again, the bigger picture, right? And he and I said, but I'm going through this thing right now. I, I don't, I, I got to get $1,500 for the IRS and, I don't have the money, and literally just like that, and I don't know why or how it happened, but he just said, oh, no problem. Go buy my sister's house in the hedge. You'll find a check for $1,500 uh, in my briefcase. It was a cashier's check. And, uh, and came, he just called up his sister and said, hey, I know you've got this money. you know, give it to my friend. He'll give it back to you when he can afford it. Okay, and he just, uh, was guys, uh, Dale was one of these guys, Dale was one of these guys, He just salesman, salesman. He just assumed if he thought it, it was gonna happen. Well, it did, and I went there, and sure enough, a couple of hours later, literally, this is when I went, and there was this thing with $1,500, and I took it as a cashier's check, and I took it, cashed it, and took it to the IRS, and they were happy, and I was happy, and I'm going, Lord, that's weird. Uh, but from from Uncle Bob's, you know, just praying, Lord, where, what do you want uh, as far as jobs? And so she was still at Uncle Bob's, and I'm saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And um, I, had a, I, had, uh, I asked, and he says, do you have any money? I don't have any money on me. And she said, I got a quarter. And I remember one time, it was only a penny. And she gave me that penny, and I went up to Wilshire Boulevard and, and uh, was going to put it in the slot, you know, the meter, to go to California County's title and apply for a job. Well, as I pulled up, this guy pulled out, and it was a two hours on the meter. So I got to keep my penny. But it's one of those personal things from God where you just go, wow, Lord, thank you. Well, this was one of those things. said, I said, um, I don't know why, but I uh, feel like I need to go to uh, Spires. So I went there, Spires restaurant, sat down, I had a quarter, coffee was uh, 15 cents, so I put the quarter down and thought, well, there's the coffee and the tip. <laughs> and who walks up with this girl named Diane, who was uh, uh, somebody we trained when we owned, the, we had a restaurant called The Hungry Tummy, was right next door where the pizza place is now. And um, so uh, she says, hey, how are you doing? I said, well, actually, I'm out of a job. And I gave my life to the Lord and went through my whole testimony and everything else. And so we were able to lead her to the Lord. And uh, she said, well, look at that. Uh, wait here a second. She comes out of the back room about 20 minutes later with Modesto Ponce de Leon. She's, he's the, the district manager here for Spires. So I sat down with him. And 20 minutes later, I had a job uh, as a manager. They, they trained me, and I went to... Uh, Carson took the Carson store over, and I got to lead many of the waitresses to the Lord before I left there. But in the process of, of that, um, uh, saying, Lord, where do you want me to go now after the uh, spires? Things came up. Then uh, uh, I heard about Cal- there were 17 companies that are title companies. says, We used to be in real estate, but the Lord said, Don't go back to real estate. Just for us, it wasn't what He wanted. But I got this list of 17 companies, and we both felt this one is the one we should go to, I should go to for a job. So called, got the application, the guy said, I don't want any neophytes, you know, new, new people in this. I'd like people that are trained, because I want to put them in a whole Orange County ter- territory. I said, okay, so I filled out the, the form, and instead of sending it in, I went in to see him. And I said, the guy's name was Joe Gottwald. And I said, hi. This is my application. He started to walk away. And I said, but it's not me. This is me. I want to talk. We sat down and he said, You gotta know, because I shared my faith again. And he said, I'm a Lutheran. I've grown up in the church. But about a week ago, he said, I sat down, and thought, This is the Jesus movement is going on, right? He said, I'm hearing all the stuff people are talking about Jesus and not just the church they go to. And he said, I don't have that kind of relationship. He said, Lord, I want to just do what you want me to do. And the thought came to his mind, I'm not going to put an ad in the paper for a salesman that he wanted in this area, this area, to train for Orange County. So he says, Lord, I'm just going to pray. God, bring me a salesman for this area that I can train. And... Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna advertise or do anything. In, and he says, "In Jesus' name." This is kind of new for him, you know. Okay, so it wasn't just a typical "you read the prayer that's in the book" kind of thing. And literally, moments after he prayed that prayer, he answers the phone. Usually, the secretary did. He picked it up. And I talked to him, and I said, hi, I'm looking for a job in this thing. He goes, oh, he said, well, I, I'm really, and he was kind of like, this is weird. And he says, I, you know, talk to my secretary, fill out a form, I'll send, you know, or I'll have her send you one, but I'm really not interested in, you know, neophytes and this kind of thing is what he said. And I said, well, I need to tell you, I feel like God told me to call you. I said, I'm a born-again Christian, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I really feel like he told me to call you. He says, I almost fainted. And he says, okay, I'll send, all he said was, I'll send you the application, he hung up. He didn't know what to do. So when I came in and saw him, he said, yeah, you got the job. And then literally within a year, I was managing Orange County. And from that, I met so many people that are in this body now, that I was able to lead to the Lord that became a part of Hosanna. So it's always bigger than us. It's always bigger than us. Um, In Deuteronomy 5.15, he said, "'You shall remember that you were a slave "'in the world of the land of Egypt.'" I don't want to remember that. Do you want to remember when you served the devil I mean, you probably wouldn't recognize yourself, honestly. If you looked at yourself as you were and now being saved, you'd probably say, what's that idiot doing? Well, you know, don't they know what's going to happen because of that? Because when you're a new creature in Christ, you're a new creature. You don't, even, you don't think about doing things that you did then. And so he said, no, I want you to remember, though. I want you to remember And he says, you were were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Remember, how you got out wasn't your own doing. God reached into that part of your world, got your attention, and got you out and saved. And you responded, thankfully, and the walk began. Now... He says, therefore, the Lord our God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In other words, and you're here, you're in church, you're on the line, you know, it's because the Sabbath is a day for you to just forget the world for a minute. I just need my soul fed. And that's what this is about. And so he says, well, remember that and you're doing that. So, uh, But also remember, don't forget that uh, you were a slave in the world. Why? Because the blood of the lamb and the word of your Testimony, you'll overcome the devil. I've seen so many people come to Christ because I've, my wife and I both have shared our testimonies, which always humbles us. <laughs> and um, you know, somebody puts you kind of on a on a uh, pedestal because you're you're in the pulpit or you're a pastor or because you've got to walk with the Lord for a while, and they think, oh, you've never done anything wrong, and then you say, well. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) And you share some of your foolishness and your idolatry and whatever the sins are, and they identify with you, and they go, what happened? And then you can share how you got born again, and this can be there for you too. That your testimony is powerful. Don't forget it. Sometimes we just kind of start off with, you need to know John 3.16. Well, maybe they need to know you first. So they'll believe John three sixteen because they're looking at it. The, um, uh, the life that you have, the new beginning. For, uh, for us, I mean, part of our testimony, literally, He healed a broken marriage. If it wasn't for Christ, we would not be married. And God healed that. And whatever he did in your life, in giving you a new beginning, uh, I prayed with people, I remember walking by, a, a person who became an elder in the church, and he was just, it was a cloud of depression over him, and I said, how are you doing? He said, Oh, not too good. He says, my, my wife wants to leave me, wants a divorce. And I, I, so I prayed with him and talked to him about it. I said, well, you just need to put God first and let God decide. Well, we walked outside and his wife was standing out there. And I said, just ask her directly. Can we ever, any way, anyhow, counseling, or is there any hope at all for us? And she looked him straight in the eyes. She said, absolutely not, never. And he came back after we talked and, and we prayed. He said, okay, I'm going to start over. And about a year and a half or so later, maybe less, uh, he was married. And godly woman, uh, they're still married to this day, and that was 30 years ago. Um, but God had a new beginning, but his trial was something you go, yeah, but I, you know, divorce is not good. And God says, I'm going to give you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In this world, you'll have tribulation. This is your big tribulation, but I'm going to make it better. And uh, and he did. And I've seen God over and over. Uh, when we take our failures and we just present them and say, okay, Lord, your will be done, uh, what he can accomplish, and for us to remember those blessings. Um, Paul had failures. Uh, he persecuted the church beyond... <laughs> uh, he in galatians 1.13, acts nine one through two, acts seven fifty seven through fifty eight and acts twenty two twenty, he talks about how he failed, how he persecuted the church, how he was a blasphemer, and all of these other things is is his testimony. And he shares that, obviously in several places because uh, he, he wanted people to know they were going, God did you read what Paul wrote to the Ephesians? Did you read this? this guy, man, he's a super saint, and he's going, hey, And he steps off his pedestal saying, look at, (laughs) you know, I did everything to throw you in jail, to persecute you, to have you beaten. He says, get me off the pedestal. We're all sinners. And we all fall short of God's glory. And I'm just grateful that God has given me the grace to minister in in a situation like this. And so it's important for us to not kind of take our Christianity as some kind of hierarchy in the country. Um, We're here as servants to minister to those that are lost for the purpose of them being saved. In Deuteronomy 7.18, you shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to Egypt. Um, To your enemies. Well, I think most of us have at least one. And um, when you take that enemy and you give them to the Lord and you say, God, I am, vengeance is yours, you will repay. I'm not gonna, I mean, I, I've walked away from a uh, severe lawsuit and things and just said, I'm not gonna fight you, I'm just giving you to the Lord. And I walked away. And um, I found there's just a peace in your heart, you know, it cost me thousands, but I think it saved me a heart attack. <laughs> you know, there's sometimes when you just go, Lord, that person is yours. And God brings some to Christ and some, uh, he destroys everything they touch. And I've seen it happen. Uh, but I leave that up to the Lord, but he can take care of your enemies and, uh, bring them to a place where, you know, you can, I've got an old partner. I mean, you can call on the phone and and have fellowship with him because he's given his life to the Lord through the whole process. Uh, And another that (laughs) he's lost everything, literally. Um, And I wouldn't call him if you paid me. (laughs) (laughs) But God took care of him. And We all have those. It's just being real with it, saying, God, this is a person that, you know, please, you take care of it. And where my heart needs to change, fine. But your promises you'll take care of the Pharaoh in my life. And he is faithful. Um, Luke 1732. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Basically, it's looking back as God is calling you out. This isn't about remembering things. This is about when it happens and someone looks back with the intent of Wanting what the world has and going to go back, he says, "Don't, don't forget Lot's wife." You know of this intention. I'm so thankful for my wife. We hold hands as we walk through the mall. That way, she can't shop. And uh, no, no, I take that seriously. Uh, after she gave her life to the to the to the Lord Jesus, she never went back. Uh, because both of us used to shop to make ourselves feel good. You know, when we feel bad. We'd use a credit card to buy something, clothes or whatever, or a car. And uh, just so we felt better. We didn't deal with the problem with each other or the problem in the world or jobs or whatever. It was just putting it off to the future and then we ended up with more bills and more debts because we were satisfying ourselves with those things. And uh, But uh, she never went back and she has uh, been the Proverbs 31... Um, wife to me plus song of Solomon Joy and uh, she's just always been a blessing so (laughs) the other's just a joke Uh, (laughs) but uh, in uh, to all of us it's a a reminder you know Lot's wife uh, just lost it all right at that point where she turned back so if you've just come to the Lord and your mind is starting to wander. You're becoming double-minded. Get in the Word. Get into fellowship with the Lord. Because to take that turn, once you turn around and you start going, oh, you know, it's a desire of the flesh, it can be deadly to your walk completely. Um, So remember, remember Lot's wife. Uh, Psalm 79, 8. Do not Remember against us our former iniquities. So now he's saying, here's, here's uh, uh, David praying, don't remember. You always remember, Lord. But hey, <laughs> don't remember this, okay? Please don't remember this. Don't remember against us our former iniquities. Well, it says in Romans, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Why? Because God doesn't remember. How does he do that? I'll show you. He says, uh, let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. You know, when you look at uh, all the difficulties in life and the things, uh, you know, God answers prayer. And when, you're, when you are honest with God, because he already knows anyway, but when you're really honest with him about what's going on in your life, uh, and say, God, please don't remember you know our iniquities and those things. Um, Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, when it came to him, and, and this for D and I, this was, as I read it, it was raiment to my heart, this is, this is what the Lord is doing. He said, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, I was the most argumentative person when it came to people of faith, I attacked them. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And to that I could say amen, Lord. It's been your grace totally in our lives and um, and in my calling, and and just to, to his direction uh, in our marriage, all of that has been his grace. For one reason, our receiving the grace was our willingness to be obedient to that calling. To just hear it, just read it, and then God says okay, now go and do it if we don't go there for, and do likewise, you know, if we don't participate, then some of the promises of God kind of sit on the shelf because we've never applied them. So I encourage you today, think, remember, apply the scriptures to your own life of what God has done and then challenge yourself, okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to do <clears throat> now? What direction do you have? You think, well, that guy at work, that I avoid all the time. Yeah, he needs a friend. <laughs> Whatever it is, the neighbor you'd never talk to. We had a neighbor. This guy leaned over the fence and shot our dog one day. I mean, he was, uh, anyway. Uh, he really upset me. I said, God, please, what, you know, how do I deal with this? And he says, make him a friend. Arr. I went over there one time. I forgot what I brought him. I don't know if it was a meal, uh, that, uh, something special that he had made or something. I can't remember specifically, but I knocked on the door. What do you want? I almost forgot when he said that. <laughs> uh, but I said whatever it was, and, and he oh, oh, wow, well, thank you. You know. And I said, well, I just want you to know if anything ever happened, you know, we barely ever see each other, or talk to each other. We live right next door. Uh, I'm a Christian and I believe strongly in the, in the power of prayer. If you need something, please call me. I'll be glad to pray. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. And then we got to talking from there and uh, kind of invited me in. I met his wife and said, what are you doing here? So they, they kind of got along that way. And uh, about, I don't know, a month or so later, uh, he was a construction uh, a man, he had his own construction company, and he was putting a light in, and it started to drop out, and he reached up to to grab it with the other hand. Instead of grabbing the light fixture, he grabbed the wires, and it just fried his hand, and the blade came at him as a mess. Anyway, it cut him, you know, severely. Well, they'd sewed up everything, uh, he, and he couldn't actually exercise his hands yet, and they were, what they were sewing up, they couldn't tell if it worked because he couldn't r- respond yet. He was having some trouble with that activity of his nerves. And so he called. He said, would you come over? And um, I think she did, actually. And, and I, so I went back to his room, and, and he showed me what happened. He says, if it doesn't come together, I can't work. I've lost my career, my life. You know, he's, he's about, he was about 50 at the time, so he had plenty of more construction stuff he could do. And he, sa- and he just started to weep. And uh, this is not the kind of guy you'd expect to weep, you know, kind of thing. But we all have emotions, but his were buried pretty deep. And um, so I said, well, you know, let me share with you something that's even more important than that first. And I shared with him Christ. He gave his life to the Lord. And I said, now we can pray and say amen. And there's both agree, you want to be healed, right? Yes. So I prayed for him and God did, did heal him. Over a matter of a month, he started to get feeling back. Pretty soon he went back and they said, we don't know what happened, but everything's connected. It's all working. And uh God completely healed them, but the bigger issue than him being a friend, he got saved. and uh, um, It's always bigger than us. It really is. Um, when God asks you to do something that's uncomfortable, it's not somebody who wants you to kind of get out of your comfort zone. It's because there's somebody that doesn't have what you have, and that's eternal life. That's huge. And then in Revelation 2, 5, where he speaks to the church in general, he says, Remember, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand, that place of fellowship, that place of the church being uh, used of God from its place unless you repent. And we all know of you know, churches from here to there, so many successful, powerful churches that have grown and have been around for years, and the Lord has blessed them, but there's also those that are just dead. And I really believe it's because of a lack of repentance. And I've always kept this in my mind, and I'd remind you that over the years, you know, there are times when you've got to just step back and say, okay, Lord, are we doing this just because we do this, or is this something you want to do? And sometimes, no, I'm blessing this, and sometimes, no, stop. I want you to do with your time and your money do this start the lifeguard food release uh, food program for the for the needy and I forget what we stopped doing at the time, but there was some stuff we stopped just so we'd have the money to do that and I was like, okay, Lord, and it' just um, God we want to have a fresh relationship you know uh, in your marriage it's not like all you know. I mowed the lawn, (laughs) you know, and uh, uh, so I always mow the lawn and everything else. But now, gee, you can afford a gardener and maybe you can witness to him. Well, no, because I always mow the lawn. You know, you kind of get in the habit of something. But you need to step back and say, God, what do you want me to do? Well, even more so in the church, step back and say, Lord, what is it in your own personal life? What is it that you want me to do now? Well, we never travel. Well, maybe you're supposed to travel. Well, we travel all the time. Maybe you're supposed to take the week off, you know. I don't know. But I'm just saying we shouldn't do things just because we do them. It should be a loving relationship with the Lord and communication. And so he says, remember from where you are, where you've fallen, whether it's where you were when you got saved and where are you now, what's the difference? Do you believe God like you did then? Do you read like you did? Do you love? Do you witness? Get back. Get back. Get back to where you want yeah. to belong. <laughs> uh, anyway. uh, Revelation 3 3. Remember then what you've received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know in what hour I will come against you. Remember again. Remember, remember then where you've received and heard. Remember what? Remember your testimony. Remember the things that God has done. Remember his covenant with you. Walk in those promises. And remember the blessings so you can stand on those so that you can go forward and do more. And he says, you, you've received and you've heard, so it's not like you don't know. In other words, has God given you John uh, or um, uh, matthew 633 before seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so don't just read over it like oh yeah i know that do you know it is it still applied to your life now that's what he's talking about that the word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword able to divide between the soul and the spirit it gets right down to the the core of your being so just you're in studies that's wonderful fellowship that's wonderful but Just pick up the Bible and read through a book and see what God says to you. Read Psalms, read Proverbs. Uh, Your participation in the word directly is key. Being fed in the fellowship is kind of a stirring of the pot and giving you things to lean back on and to uh, formulate really sound doctrine and all of that. But your personal walk really comes from the application of what God gives you in those personal covenants and relationships. And then finally, John 10 17. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Now, the word I would use for that is forget. <laughs> Basically, I will remember to forget. <laughs> Though your sins are red as scarlet, he makes them white as snow. Does that mean that all of a sudden, yeah, they're cast from the east to the west and in the deepest ocean that he can't swim? Of course he knows what they were. Of course he knows what they are. But in Christ, he says, but I'm going to remember to forget. And it's intentional. It's very intentional. And it should be in our lives. That when we look back at, um, not just our own life, but when we look at our life in relationship to others, and there's been something that's happened that's been a real tragedy and, and hurtful to you, to be honest with yourself and look at it and own whatever participation you had in the problem, but even if you didn't, but that other person did, and whatever it was, every time it comes up, it just kind of stirs your, you know, an angst in your life. Uh, remember to forget. To say that's not something I need to dwell on, and I'm going to forget either one because I've given that person to the Lord, or two because I know they're a believer now. So those that person's a new creature in Christ. So why would I keep thinking of that person as that old person when they're a new person? I need to remember to forget, to go forward, to not apply those conditions on that person's life. Well, I know you know ten years ago you this and that and then you got fired over and then you don't <clears throat> and they're going. And what I've been, I've been doing for the last ten years? I've been serving Jesus, Jesus Christ, and walking with well, you. Know that? Yeah, but I remember when, no remember to forget. <laughs> remember that that person is born again now, they're saved, and forget those things and treat them as a believer. You know, I love Reagan's saying, trust but verify. You know, it doesn't mean you're stupid about things. But it's, it's, it's that, that operation where you take people at face value uh, when, you, when they talk about their salvation. And so you remember to forget their sins because God has and he's forgotten yours, and you don't want anybody to remember him, do you? Or apply me, you know, yeah, I know it. I, I had a, we were in the other church on Aidenmore, the other building. You're the church, obviously, but in the other building. And I was, I, I walked down the aisle, and uh, I heard this. Hey, I, uh, and I, I thought somebody's talking to me, but I, I, I well, I'll just keep going. So I get up to the pulpit, and yeah, this guy, Gary Ansdell, what are you doing up there? <laughs> I said, I'll, I'll explain to you after the study, okay? I, <clears throat> I do belong up here, I'll, I'll let you know. So I talked to him afterwards, shared my testimony. But he was like, no, there's, he knew me as an atheist, so what's an atheist doing in the pulpit, you know? I mean, so he was like, Somebody kick him out. What do you guys, don't you know who he is? <laughs> anyway, uh, in Luke 24, 8. Is that me? No, no. Uh, in Luke twenty-four twenty-eight, it says they remembered his words. And that's what I want to leave you with. Don't forget his words. But in his words are... I will remember, God remembers. He also remembers to forget, and we should do the same. We should remember, we should look at where we've fallen, repent, get back up. We should remember that there's no condemnation of those that are in Christ, so don't beat up other people, nor yourself. Don't enter into things with a condemning attitude, but don't condemn yourself. Yeah, but you don't realize, I don't know that I could ever go out and witness to somebody, because the other day I was, driving and I yelled at this guy and blah, 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 you know, God's going. And so you're going to prevent your witnessing to somebody's soul about salvation because you were mad at another driver. The devil will use any number of things. Remember, there is therefore now no condemnation of those that are in Christ Jesus. Now walk after the spirit, not after the flesh. Don't listen to those, those lies that pull you down and just be obedient to whatever he calls you to do or to be. And if somebody says, what are you doing up there? You can explain to them later in the meantime. Do what you're called to do. Minister to individuals. You know, there's a time, yes, when you might have an opportunity to, uh, when I worked for California County's Title, he asked me one day, he says, I want you to share with all the sales staff. He let me work for, I don't know, about nine months or whatever first. And he says, I want you to share with why you're so successful. And he knew what I was gonna say in my testimony with Christ and everything else. Um, So we have those opportunities sometimes, I know whether it's just a small office or a large office or a group of people or a family gathering at Thanksgiving or whatever it is, but usually it's very one-on-one, very specific. And when God gives you that, don't be going this way or that way. Stay focused on what it is because it'll affect that person's life and then that will affect their families and so on and so on. Remember the Lord's word. Remember his covenant to you, whatever that is. Whatever promises he gave you, hold fast to those. They don't change. He doesn't erase them and say, oh, I wish I never said that. No, he remembers. But he also, by, by wonderful faculty of God, his grace, he remembers intentionally to forget our sins. We should do the same with ours, and for others. God bless you.